Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, We have such a great guest. Our friend, Tony McGinnigan, has been exploring the landscapes of consciousness for more than 25 years. His journey was has included formal training in psychology, computer science, and religious studies. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, flowing with life from every corner, believe me, Tony is so incredible. Tony um, has led a lifelong enthusiast. Uh, He's been one of both astronomy and holistic psychology, Tony melded these two interests in response to a series of profound experiences which began in 79 for him. A primary effect of these experiences manifests as Tony's insight into synergies between the life within and the life everywhere surrounding us, in other words, between the inner and outer cosmos. Tony's organic path of discovery has included experiences as diverse as the Mayan solar initiation, remote uh, viewer training, studies in cosmology and astrology, various, various forms of shamanic practice, and more than 30 years of meditation and contemplative practices. Tony is a gifted interpretive artist, which I didn't know, so I'll have to look at his artwork. Uh, he's a blessed adventurer and highly engaging and effective facilitator. He's the author of a popular book, A Voyage in Consciousness, as well as two forthcoming books. We're going to have to hear about that. Estacy of Everyday Experience and Experimental Cosmology. He is a producer and a host of the Vibrational Voyage radio program and the founder of New Consciousness Rising. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Tony. Whoops. I don't know. There's a... A little bit. Yeah, hold on. Hi, Tony. Hi. Hi, guys. Thanks for that nice introduction, and thanks for having me as a guest again. Nice to be with you. Oh, man. It's always so exciting to have you with us. We're going to... You know what? There's so many incredible things that are happening out in the universe right now. And we get to have you with us today to share all of that. Yeah, we have so much to talk about. Uh, let's start with the stars and planets. What do they have in store for us? Well, the uh, the alignment that happened in December um, is something that's, that's still um, unfolding for us. And um, the alignment that's coming up for equinox is also really extraordinary and uh, so I, I think maybe it, it would be good to reflect a little bit on what we've just had uh, as far as the uh, uh, events with the with the equinox which was or, or the solstice that was anticipated for many years by by many many people um, and you know maybe we could uh, start that off and, and just say okay. that's I mean that 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 has been pretty amazing. I mean, some people expected that the world was going to end, <laughs> and needless to say, it didn't. That didn't happen. And some people expected some wondrous things to happen right away, and they're a little bit disappointed because this 
everything's unfolding slowly. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> I looked at it um, with an open-minded attitude because uh, I could tell that things were making progress all through the last few years. Um, and it looked to me as though the, uh, the 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 alignment for the solstice initially it didn't really grab me as, a, as it was so it was anything really terribly uh, earth shattering. And the closer we got to it, the more interesting it became. And uh, I started to see just in the last couple of months and weeks leading up to December. Uh, that there actually were some very, very significant things that were happening that tell us about our uh, evolution and reveal to us some things that resonate with our our experience over recent decades as well. Uh, For instance, there was a pattern, (coughs) excuse me, that happened in the December alignment that has only happened twice in 600 years. And it's... um, it's referred to as a finger of God, or also sometimes called a yod. Um, and that, that was between Saturn and then Uranus and Jupiter. And we still have that going on right now, but it was pretty exact at the time of the uh, solstice. Well, the the only other time that happened in the last 600 years was um, in the late 80s when... Uh, the Berlin Wall came down, and uh, the uh, uprising happened in China that was later squashed by the government. But there were huge um, things that, that came about that showed a movement towards a greater freedom, a greater greater potential being realized by people. And uh, so we had that with us in, in December, and that's still happening now we still have the strong effects of that, and we literally will have the same type of uh, alignment happening for the equinox. So uh, maybe some countries will uh, bring in more freedom, or I know Egypt had their uh, thing that went on, which is still going on. But do you think some of the countries are going to be uh, going towards freedom? Well, I think there's going to be more and more uh, pressure towards that, uh, because the way the systems are working now, with so much um, control being focused in fewer and fewer hands, um, that's going to just, it's going to push people more and more towards disagreement uh, with with the concentration of, of power. So that's something that's been going on for quite a while, but it seems to be getting much more intense, and we're starting to see it break out um, you know, uh, in all sorts of places. It's very stressful. Um, you know, giving giving so much power to so few people creates a lot of stress among everybody else who's just trying to, you know, make make a living and, and get along. And even though the economy's been improving, the economy for the ordinary folks is, is still not uh, really making a lot of in, improvement. Um so it looks to me like we're going to have continued pressure towards uh, people, you know, taking steps towards their own their own freedom, their own realization, and realizing that you know they can't depend on the structure. And with Pluto in um, Capricorn, there's a couple things that are going on there. That gives power that gives power to the existing structure, but it also says there's a natural process of renewal and change that has to happen here. <clears throat> it also reveals secrets um, that are happening in the, in the established structure. So Pluto and Capricorn, you could expect that you would see a lot more things like uh, revelations like um, uh, WikiLeaks and, and uh, other types of revelations that, that are surfacing, that, you know, that show the real nature of that concentration of power, that it's something that's, that's unhealthy and, and uh, um, unethical in a lot of cases. I know. We've seen a lot come up to the surface recently, a lot of secrets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, on the equinox, this is um, 
the main um, date and is around March 20th. Is that correct? Yeah. The um, uh, I actually I put up a chart that depicts it, and folks can look at that. There's uh, a, a bunch of old stuff and, and just a few new things, including a, um, a picture of the equinox that's on my website. You can find that at ncrising.com. That's short for New Consciousness Rising, ncrising.com. Now, when I'm looking at this, it's pretty incredible. Everything is just piling up in that area. And if you say this is Uranus and this is Jupiter uh, uh, with Saturn involved here. Yeah. So Uranus means something unexpected. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe uh, in online, maybe computers, maybe whatever. Um, and Jupiter means blessings. Yeah. Um and so it's blessings coming, and then Saturn means maybe bringing forth the truth, and um, or some lessons, or less. Yeah, but I mean, it's bringing forth truth, and so people's lessons come from the truth, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good insights, good connections. Um, I I especially encourage. Uh, you and anybody who gets who gets an interest in this, do exactly what what you're doing right now. Just get a look at it. Take a look at um, what the pattern actually just you know what the shape of it is, what it looks like. Um, this one's very interesting. You know, when you look at the the event and you look at the timing of it for our location for the west coast of North America, Saturn is right up at the top of the sky. And so you have this very fortunate um, synthesis with Uranus and, and Jupiter. Uh, to me, those two forces are working together for abundance and freedom. You know, there's, there's uh, J- Jupiter also is uh, the, the adventure of life as well as, you know, the adventure of actually traveling someplace. Um, and it's in, it's in Gemini. So, I mean, one simple way to see that is, you know, it's, it, it relates to our adventure in in duality, but uh, Gemini also relates to um, you know the way that we uh, think about things and the way that we communicate with each other. So Uranus and and Jupiter there are working together to bring about <coughs> um, discoveries and um, a fortunate circumstance within our immediate. Experience that fosters discovery, uh, revelation, and even um, you know it's a fortunate accident, but um, it, it also has a, a transformative, powerfully transformative effects as well. Now, with with those two planets in a harmonious um, relationship, we have Saturn across from them basically in the middle of them on, on the other side, and that's what causes this pointing, this finger of God, as it's called. And that's with Saturn. But Saturn's in Scorpio, so that means it's not just the most superficial appearances of, of Saturn and karma. It's deep. Uh, it goes deep, and it is also the Saturn's with the North Node, or the head of the dragon. And so what that suggests to me is it's about... Uh, um, the, the possibility of a discovery of the real nature of, 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 of what's going on, or another way to say it would be looking at the real structure, the bones that are really behind um, the, the, you know, the, the deep layers that show us what, why things are happening right now. And I, I, I don't really focus so much as to why as to try to figure out a particular explanation, because that's always something that you can argue about. But there is the way that we have our own experience where we see directly into the depth of what's going on and you know, have those moments of clarity. So that this, this situation here with Saturn, Uranus, and Jupiter, again, um, to me, point towards realizations, discoveries, moments of clarity. Um, and uh, Jupiter is actually in a really fortunate Spot. It's right near um, the star Aldebaran, and that star is usually something that confers, you know, strong energy of a fortunate outcome and a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so this thing 
to me, looks like it has the potential for a great um, uh, a moment of, uh, of, of, of discovery and, and insight. And this is not just for individuals. This is something that uh, goes on at the, at the larger level. And this is something that impacts the, the consciousness of everyone together. What goes really far in this, too, is that <clears throat> on, you can see, if you look at the chart um, for this, and it's posted on the site at New Consciousness Rising, the sun is together very close to Uranus, and then Mars and Venus. They're all right, really close together. About a week after the equinox, so on March 28th, there's going to be an exact conjunction. This is very rare. Um, sun and Venus will conjoin exactly at the same time as they meet Uranus. Mm-hmm. So three planets all conjunct immediately together, and Mars will be very close. The exact conjunction with Mars and Venus will actually be a few days later. But So we have a new cycle of Mars and Venus, a, uh, desire and attraction. And... Um, Mars and Venus have been doing some really interesting things over the last couple of years, which we could we could also uh, talk a little bit about. But what that says to me is that the basic pattern of maleness and femaleness, desire and attraction, is uh, something that's also having a renewal um, <clears throat> and a, a new spark is uh, is being introduced. So there's a there's a there's a uh, an energization. Um, an infusion of, of light and discovery that happens here. And it's going to hit us uh, on a collective level, but also on a very basic level. Um, so I think this is a beautiful thing that is evident for us here in the equinox, the first equinox of uh, 2013, the first equinox after this change of, of time. Um, it's, it's a powerful one, the, the, the event that we'll see here in just a few few days do you do you look at the chart for United States you know um, I don't do that very often one of my friends was actually born um, on the 4th of July and he's also an astrologer and so he he looks at that very carefully so I listen to him what he has to say and also uh, his name's Tiger Windwalker um, uh, and he's got a website you can look at too, TigerWindWalker.com. And then Eric Meese, uh, my old buddy uh, from KKUP and also an astrologer. Uh, both of those friends of mine, they've been looking at <clears throat> uh, at the position of the sun. And I think it's this year, I, I believe Pluto is going to oppose the natal sun for the, for the United States. And so that kind of suggests that there's some big energetic process and renewal. So it, the the potential for that is is like a rebirth. And of course, you know, when you have a b- rebirth, you you have to have some sort of a letting go or a death. Um, so, you know, that is up for for the United States in in, in the chart of the United States. What do you hmm. see, Tony, in in the the um cohesiveness of working with the United Nations and everyone just coming together and just, um, you know, saying, hey, we're really going to make our planet here um, a togetherness and a wholesomeness. Do you see that coming? I mean, do these planets kind of uh, signify this? Well, it's interesting what you mentioned there. Um you know, the, what the United Nations represents is something that that uh, would hopefully be embodied in um, the way that we eventually start to treat each other and the way nations would treat each other. What is very interesting about that is um, a story that has come to light just in the last few weeks. Now, apparently this is a story that's been unfolding for many years. There is an Iranian-born scientist in Belgium Cash. who's yeah you know about him yeah absolutely that's what so, I'm thinking about yeah all right so his story is very interesting and very compelling and the timing is very compelling and what he is is saying is that he actually has working models of uh, 
propulsion and energy generation systems that have the potential not only to answer all of our current uh, energy problems and also can help us with all sorts of problems related to, you know, clean water and, and other types of environmental challenges. But he, he takes it a step farther and he says, look, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a scientist. I'm a, I'm a nuclear uh, scientist. Um, and these designs are all based on, um, on you know, good, a good uh, and a bit of a novel understanding of the way that the, the universe actually works. And he's tested these things, and apparently other people, uh, other uh, uh, there have been universities that have tested his uh, his designs and his principles. And I guess there are working models of some of these things. It's a, a plasma fusion device, and I'm not a physicist, so I I can't comment on the scientific validity, and I haven't seen a working device. But the message is pretty compelling, and um, you can read about it for yourself at their website, which is Keshi Foundation dot org or dot com, I, I don't remember, K-E-S-H-E, Keshe Foundation. Well, anyway, there's a, a document that they were sharing with people, and it's a document, um, it's a, a peace um, treaty of sorts. And what this document says is that I, as an individual, pledge not to make uh, war. I, I pledge not to support war or create war. Uh, it's it's my priority not to not to act in a warlike or destructive manner. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not doing the the wording justice. It's really a, a rather eloquently written. But he says, look, anybody can sign this, and uh, if someone wants to use our technology, we make it a requirement, and we will provide this to them at no cost. But they have to agree to use it for peaceful purposes. And what he explains I thought was rather beautiful and very fitting for this time that we're in and for these, this arrangement in the sky. It's this, that um, he says, I, you know, this is not about a peace movement. This is about a, a, a discovery and a, the use of a technology that makes peace as a result. Peace, world peace occurs as a result of, the, uh, of the, the realization and the utilization of this technology. Now that, to me, is a perfect example of the, the biggest thing that's going on here in the sky right now, which is Pluto and Uranus square to each other. Mm-hmm. And so Uranus would be the discovery, Pluto would be the existing structure or the transformation of the structure or the new power that makes itself available and delivers. Um, this is one of the most positive types of of uh, of uh, realizations that could come out of this kind of uh, um, configuration in the sky. You know, an, yeah. another another way to have it would be, you know, another war. Well, we don't need that. Nobody needs that. Well, so, he has actually opened up this. It's pretty interesting you brought that up because, um, I mean, he's opened up and given all this technology free to everyone who wants it. And uh, <clears throat> and it's pretty awesome what, what he has done. It's an independent uh, Nonprofit organization, and um, by the way, that is dot org. So it's cashyfoundation dot org. Yeah, I just found it. Well, the the way I I like to look at these things is because here's the thing: we have all kinds of information that's floating around, and and a lot of it is very loaded emotionally, and unfortunately, a lot of what we get in the news, especially, is very manipulative. It's designed to be propaganda. It's, it's designed to try to influence and sway people and to get them all excited about a belief or to disagree with a belief. And so I, the, the, the reason I'm mentioning this is because um, when we look at something like, like this man's story, it's compelling. He's not trying to sell any beliefs. He's just trying to share something and the evidence that he has that this, this actually works. And, um, you know, it doesn't get a lot of uh, play in the media. And, you know, the, the reasons for that, if we take a step back, seems obvious, because this doesn't really help any of the existing belief systems or stories that people would have you believe in, the, you know, the big corporations behind the media. They have no interest in this kind of a story. Um, so the way I look at something like this is that it's very interesting, and I'm, I'm – 
probably going to try to dig into this a little bit more and, and read some of his writing because he's got several books that are available that you can get through his uh, website. Um, but even even if it's not as immediately promising, you know, even if it's not, if, if say not everybody jumps on the bandwagon, he says quite a few countries have actually already made the agreement, accepted the terms, and have started to work on the technology. So we may start to see uh, the evidence of this all over the place. But even if that doesn't happen immediately, and maybe it's still uh, you know months or years for, until we really start to see anything concrete, the fact that we have something that's a, a strong and compelling story that is so resonant with these deep themes about a major transformation occurring not only in um, at the level of the way that we uh, see things and um, think about things, but also in the way that we actually do our day-to-day life. Now that, to me, is, is really compelling. And here we have a very concrete story that reveals a, a path, a beautiful, synergistic, enlightening path uh, that would take us out of our worst uh, problems it, rather immediately. And if this kind of a, a solution became available, and it looks like it is becoming available, this is an economic solution that would immediately transform poverty across the face of our planet. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it talks about famine and water shortage and lack of electrical power. Um, when I when I saw him talk, he he actually was saying, you know, yes, um, his technology will um, uh, perhaps eliminate some jobs, but if you look at it, it'll probably increase jobs in a new format, and people have to be willing to be flexible. Do our planets allow for that flexibility, Tony? Yeah, no, that it's a very good point. Um, in there's something that I experienced back in 1984. I've not ever written about it yet, um, but um, there's a project I'm working on now where it seems to fit. And in this experience, it actually happened on Easter Sunday, 1984. And it was a a mystical experience. It was probably the first really big mystical experience that I ever had, I ever knew. And I saw something that was... What, what I could explain about it now is that it was a completely transformed state for humanity, not just a few people, not just one country. It was basically the elimination of suffering. And it wasn't that suffering was eliminated. It's, it's that all needs were met and that people lived in a peaceful, healthy, happy state. The state of humanity was, was one where um, everyone had what they needed because we all looked after each other. We helped each other. And and there was nothing that was lacking. There was no pain. There was no illness. There was no lack. And uh, when I saw that, I mean, I'd never uh, ever thought about anything. No one had ever suggested that idea or that vision to me. It was something that was completely novel and, and surprising, but beautiful. And so that, that always stayed with me, and it's been kind of a, of a, of a guiding vision in the back of my own uh, awareness in my memory uh, since then. And right now, interestingly, is um, uh, almost a full Saturn cycle since that event. That was in Easter of 1984. Here we are now about 29 years since then. So I had the feeling that this is something that, that was possible and may likely be realized during my lifetime. And, you know, I, you know, I honestly feel if something like this takes... Uh, you know, ten lifetimes to realize. I fine. It's it's if if that's where we wind up, then I'm I'm happy. But it looks like there's a possibility with this kind of of technology or this kind of priority uh, coming forward, and a lot of people starting to to focus on that. This could happen very quickly. This is something that could actually happen in in the very near term. Yeah, and it can't be squelched. You know, because some of the you know oil companies or whatever would squelch something like this, but because of the internet, and uh, this won't be squelched because a lot of people know about it. Yeah. Yeah, 
and he's released it to, to everyone. Anyone who wants this technology, he's released it to. Yes. And that's it's open free. It's free. You know? It, 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 so I, I'm really interested in, in starting to hear some of the stories about um, the people who have, you know, the, either the small countries or the, the universities or the scientists that have actually said, let's let's actually let's look at this. Let's take advantage of the uh, the opportunity here and actually do something with it. I watched a couple of videos that uh, they actually produced that uh, the, the, the Keshe Foundation produced. And there were some interesting things. They showed an experiment that you could do. It looked like it was a kitchen table kind of thing that you could do to actually demonstrate some of the um, electromagnetic principles. It's, apparently, it's a different understanding of the way electro, electricity and magnetism really function, a deeper uh, set of principles that, that we don't currently use. So it's something that's always been there. It's something that you know it was always there to be seen. It just wasn't recognized. So I'm interested in hearing about people who are actually using it and starting to find ways that this stuff can actually be applied. And any, I, it seemed apparent to me a couple of years ago because I was starting to feel the change in consciousness, at least you know in a serious way, probably four or five years ago. And it seemed to me um, for a long time that any one thing, if there's one thing, one, we find one really absolutely abundant resource that we could really focus on and use. Of course, the sun is kind of like that. Um, but if we find really just one that we can really put to work, that we can use, it changes everything. Just one um, absolutely abundant or renewable resource, something that's easily uh, accessed. Because, um, you know, the sun power up till now, the, the challenge has been, you know, the economics, although that's, that's been changing as well. So here, that might be a case like that. This, you know, one idea, one innovation that creates an abundant resource. Um, that's something that everybody can share and benefit from. That's a game changer. <laughs> that's a biggie. Yeah. I think I'll share this on my Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It, I I encourage it because the I think the the, the peace document is is well worth it. Um, the, uh, the 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 website, you know, more people looking at this, and you know, and and just alone, the you know the synergy that we get from considering these possibilities, I think that alone uh, is is worth so much because uh, it's starting to become obvious that what we put our attention on, and you know, it's a, a lot of times uh, we end up being the story is what you think about matters so much. You know, I. I think that's a bunch of crap, to be perfectly honest with you. I hate to I hate to disparage a whole a whole industry, but I, I think it's baloney. What really matters is not what we think about. What matters is what we put our attention on. And thinking is a very small part of what we attend to because attention involves your feet. It involves your heart. It involves all of your senses. It involves everything that we're doing. It's all of our... Um, our activity, our uh, our consciousness, and our life force, because where that's invested, there that's that's what fuels and feeds um, all of our existence, and also all of the change that we can bring about. Um, because when you put your attention together with the force of the attention that's available in the universe, now you're working with the big wave, and uh, so I think that we're in a process of discovering that right now. I think that's what a lot of what uh, 2012 was really about. The crossing point was we're entering into a place where we're actually realizing the power of what attentiveness and what consciousness really is. It's a force that moves everywhere, and the center of it is right where you are and where I am. And it's by getting ourselves into a state where we're not creating a barrier to that that's where we can use it. So, you know, I, I I think there's an awful lot of stuff that's going on here right now that's changing in front of our eyes because our access to the power of attentiveness has just changed. It's It's gone up. Um, Terrence McKenna, uh, who, who talked, he died, you know, over uh, 10, 12 years ago. But his work 
kept us looking at the possibilities for uh, massive change within ourselves and also within our society. And it was interesting, he came up independently with a date that pointed towards 2012 as a major change date. Well, the thing that he pointed to in, in this whole thing, he said that um, something he called novelty would increase geometrically toward the end of 2012. And another way that he explained the, the notion of novelty is like connectedness. So he said, you know, one of the most connected things that's ever evolved that we're aware of is the human neocortex. It's more densely connected uh, than any anything else that we know of. And he says the universe evolves towards complexity, and it preserves complexity. It preserves co connectedness. And so what seems to me is what just happened to us at the end of 2012 is we crossed a point where we were starting to have our own felt sense of that connectedness in a much deeper, much more uh, concrete way. And I think that's what's, what's unfolding for us right now. I, I, I sense it. I've been sensing it um, in a much more intense way um, since the, the end of last year. You know, it's interesting, Tony, that you're talking about this connectedness. I just had a dear friend die um, yesterday, and... Um, me too. <laughs> I've been, did you? Yeah, same, probably uh, the same person. Oh, okay. Um, oh, uh, Miriam Nidal, actually. Yeah, yeah, she's a good friend. And uh, she actually connected with me the day, the night before. Yeah. That I, it blew me away. And here I'm, I'm talking to her in the whole thing, and she's just talking to me, and um, I'm going. Whoops, I only get people to talk to me like this when they've gone over to the other side, but I felt as though that she hadn't quite mastered and gone over, and she didn't. She went the next morning, and um, I mean the next day. And I was kind of so shocked to have this connection. It was like the veils had completely uh, uh, let down, and you could feel this. I mean, it was talk about connectedness, and I know that, Many other people felt this too from her, and um, very powerfully. And um, you know, I, I ended up writing her a letter about the same hour she was leaving, telling her what she meant to me. You know, yeah. Um, I, I'm just going, wow. I mean, this is incredible, and um, to have this kind of connectedness. And Tony, I feel like this kind of connectedness is going to be really um, unleashed for everyone, that they will be able to feel this power, this energy of connectedness more so than they do now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you think so too, huh? I do. And and for Miriam in, in particular, um, uh, I've known Miriam for about 20 years. And uh, Miriam was someone I could always talk to about these subjects, and she was one of those people who really, really encouraged me. I probably had more conversations with her about this than almost anybody else. Um, um, it's a, it's kind of wonderful and, and interesting that we're we're both reflecting on Miriam right now. Yeah. Um, um, well, when I think of her, I think of unconditional love. Yeah, yeah. When she was always really, really, um, she's very curious very compassionate, always looking for things that she could do. Her whole life was basically lived in a very um, honest way, just looking for those connections and how she could help and support and synergize with people who were also interested in that that type of connectedness. And in depth, yeah. In yeah, depth. yeah. So definitely Miriam's, you know, you know, such a blessing, and and she was a big meditator. So I honestly, uh, when she passed, I, I certainly felt sad when I heard the news yesterday. But uh, I also, when I thought of her, I felt and saw a lightness, uh, an energy, and it made me feel immediately like um, uh, she's around, and I expect that we may sense and and feel things uh, related to. Uh, our, our connection with Miriam and, and her uh, transformed state, because I mean, she she was one of those people who really lived 
in a, in a day-to-day practice, you know, meditating and, and mm-hmm. looking for these connections and contemplating the value of, of these things and, and how they actually manifest and help us. Um, so I, I think that uh, the more we give our attention to that, the greater the synergy we are building um, towards this. And for some folks, it's, this is not an obvious thing. Um, but the power of this interaction and this synergy is something that's growing. And so it becomes easier and easier for people to discover on their own. Everybody has to have their own discovery, their own realization of it. But becomes because there's more attentiveness involved, more synergy involved, that's something that becomes more graceful and easier for people. You know, you look around. Look how many people are actually touched by this type of experience, by this kind of... Um, uh, by these deeper levels of, of awareness and consciousness. Um, and it, it's something that I see reflected all over the place. And, you know, it's coming out of us. It's not just because, you know, one person or two people or 50 people are sharing some inspired message in a fortunate way. Well, that's happening, but it's also because people are finding it just in their own direct experience. And that is something that I see increasing. I, I suspect that we're going to see that increasing and um, growing even more so. You know, uh, you know, it's, it, we're talking about things that grow, right? So think about how something that begins to grow sprouts up out of the ground. It's just a tiny little sprout. Well, before long, um, it starts to grow and 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 multiply, and then you know, it turns into big plant or you know a tree it start things start slowly and they and they accelerate right well this has been this has been started for a long long time and we look around and we can see the acceleration so that's another thing i look at with these these things going on in the sky um there are signs that we can see and those give us connections and tell us about what has happened in the past but now we're in a different situation. We're in a different situation because we're recognizing this connectedness and its implications. And um, <clears throat> we're, not, we're not behaving in the same way. I mean, once you realize those types of relationships, that feeling of connectedness, you're not relating to your experience in the same way anymore. Um, you're noticing more of what's going on. Here's, here's how I would say it. This connection uh, can be expressed very simply. When we start to see more of a relationship, a resonance, and a synchronicity between the things that happen inside of us and the things that happen outside of us, that is probably the most concrete way to say, okay, that's a manifestation of this new type of consciousness, this connectedness type of consciousness, because it's connecting everything around us, but it's also connecting what's inside us. Yeah, everything that's going on around us, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> so. So the magnification of all of this is just amazing, and and you know we can kind of see that's what's happening out out there. And thank God for the internet, you know, because we see all these people becoming empowered and and um, and energized by being able to support others in a different way. So it's really oh, superb. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating, too, when I've heard you know, people talk about um, uh, you know, what the Internet is and how it manifested. I, I, I'm only aware of one person who really talked about, and there may be many, but I'm only aware of one person who ever talked about the possibility of something like the Internet, um, and it was Alan Watts. He talked about a global brain. And so this is like in the late 60s, maybe early 70s. And, you know, the way he described it, when you listen to what he said, it's really, really shockingly similar to what we have with the Internet. But it's not only what we talk about with the Internet. If you listen carefully to what Watts says, and I forget the exact way he worded it, but he's talking about the uh, interconnected consciousness. Well, you know, the Internet gives us that, 
but the thing we should remember is that there's this, this connection between what we see going on around us and what we see going on, what we feel going on inside us. And I think what Watts was pointing to was something that also connects us internally, that there's this um, uh, awareness that we can all tap into and share. Of course, that, that, that notion goes back to um, Carl Jung and, and to the work of, uh, of you know, enlightened people and, and mystics going back forever. But um, you know, I, I've heard a number of people say that nobody really, really saw the Internet coming, um, um, that it really wasn't something that was predicted. It was just showed up really rapidly, and now here we have it. So uh, the thing I think that's important about the Internet is to recognize both the value that it provides for what we can do on there and the stuff that we can find, and the way that we can find people, that's so valuable. But what it also tells us is something um, intrinsic that exists already inside us, and, and it's reflecting to us something that's very fortunate that we have immediately. Now, the realization of that, that is the, uh, that's, that's what's happening now. I think that's what's happening with the next phase that's now already in our in our midst. It's, it's something that's already manifesting. It's where we start to actually see how that inside of us, that Internet that's connected inside of us, is also mm-hmm. working. Yeah. Is that what your new two, the next two books that you're writing are going to be about? Yeah, I mean, it looks like, it looks like the, the, uh, um, the it, there's mainly one that I'm working on immediately, because these things take forever for me to hatch. I mean, I, the first book, I ended up writing two versions of it. It took seven years to, to finish that. This one I've been working on since 2001. Um, the uh, the book is about ecstasy, ecstasy of the everyday experience. And so what what it has to do with is the, uh, the way that we ourselves can tap into that. Uh, well, I, so make it concrete. Look around at anything that you see that's that has value. Um, you know, whether we think of it as something that we appreciate or monetary value, and I don't care. Look at anything that that really has value, and think about it for a second. Anything. The nature of that, in itself, and uh, the nature of you, you know, is also something that has value. What you are in your most essential nature is something that's celestial, right? You literally are made up of star material. Um, all of the material that you see in front of you on this planet. So what we have here in every valuable thing, every precious thing, is actually completely celestially abundant. And the nature, the real nature of value and abundance is celestial. And the real nature of your existence is celestial. Well, that has amazing implications because we've been going around with a story for a very, very long time that all the things that are most important are highly in demand and they're, they're not easy to get. That, that scarcity is a big, big story and that it drives all of these... Uh, these um, struggles and, you know, and, and drives prices up and makes things hard to get so some can have and some cannot. Well, isn't it absurd when we realize that the nature of every good thing, everything that we really need, everything that's truly valuable, is actually something that is from the stars. It's celestial in nature. And if we look around, we can e- cannot even fully calculate the depth and and dimensions of the celestial resources that are everywhere around us. So what this does, this understanding changes us in a way that we realize, oh, my God, there really is nothing that we really need that's valuable, that's precious to us, that is not absolutely abundantly available now, the way that we do things, the way that we're used to doing things, the way that we, we normally believe things and think about them, 
it's that's not the way and and you know think like, oh there's only so many places we can dig things up and we've got to you know struggle and fight and you know create wars in order to get what we need what a bunch of baloney the tre- the real nature of everything we need and every good thing is, is celestial and so we take a step back even deeper what we can see from the ancient ancient teachings like the hindu teaching on uh, the nature of the absolute that there's three qualities to the absolute uh the first quality is being uh the second quality is uh well first of all with being you cannot divide being uh, in the in the absolute there is no division so whatever beingness is is beingness there is no division and the second quality of the absolute is consciousness and because there's no division in all of the absolute there is no division between being and consciousness and the third aspect of 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 the absolute is joy bliss uh ecstasy and the ecstasy uh naturally arises when the the togetherness of beingness and consciousness are recognized and abs- again because it's the absolute there is no division between the beingness the consciousness and the ecstasy so every single moment all of space all of manifestation all of what we refer to as time is something that is composed of the absolute uh nature of that which is pure beingness pure consciousness and pure ecstasy now we turn that into a big production <laughs> a big story right so we have all these wonderful stories going on well they're all part of the real story which is the ecstatic nature of things and so that pushes its way down all the way into our mundane everyday moment to moment day to day experience and so what I'm sharing in this writing that I'm working on now is about my own, and it's it's poetic because, you know, you can't explain these things. You really have to kind of try to facilitate an experience. I'm doing a lot more with poetry these days to kind of point at it because what's really valuable is when we own, we each have our own our own connection with it. I can read the most inspired, beautiful writing, but what really does it for me is when I walk outside and I breathe in, I see that starlight, and I feel it myself. So that's, you know, that's kind of the story. It's, it's my deepest joy to explore it and to know about it and, uh, and then to try to share something that's fortunate. And when I reflect back on the things that I've found most valuable um, with this kind of stuff, they don't explain very much. They mostly point, you know, like, like the way a good Buddhist koan does. It just points you in the right direction. And then you get to have your own joyful experience of it i think the readiness for that the readiness the availability the um uh the openness the heartfulness that's necessary for that is abundant uh among humanity right now and so as we discover that now we're starting to discover what is true for not just the consciousness of individuals but what is also true for the consciousness and for the experience of all people all of humanity together and when we take our next steps we're going to take those steps as an entity as a human entity so how might how long might that take to manifest i don't know but i can see the steps the necessary steps unfolding and so that's also what i'm trying to express with this this writing that i'm working on now what you explained i just wonder if people that go on the other side experience that once they get there Apparently, I mean, I, some of the things that I've been fascinated to read about have been accounts from the people who come back and they have, some of them have such, such fragmentary recollections and it's so hard to translate. But there's there's some great consistencies among the stories. And if you look at the accounts and the, the, the art of different people recounting mystical experiences or shamanic experiences, there are um, pieces of that puzzle that uh, give us enough of a clue that, again, point us toward the direction that we can go in our own uh, day-to-day experience. And we can have our own 
realization. We can have our own insight. These types of things used to be just so, I mean, either you had to die or you had to have a mystical experience, right? Well, maybe that's much more available to us now. Um, my feeling is is that when we sit down and actually, this is, so I'm actually trying to do with what I'm writing, I'm trying to facilitate, you know, with simple instructions, um, experiences that you can do yourself, experiments that you can do with the sky. So, for instance, if you recognize that the, uh, the space um, that exists on a planetary and, and stellar level, you know, is continuous with the space that exists between your electrons, um, you realize, well, there's no barrier. Your skin is not a barrier. You are pervaded by the space that pervades the stars. So that's a, that's a little bit of a, of a mental exercise there. But how about when then you have your own experience? You go sit outside and you get a sense, for instance, you look at Sirius and you realize that's nine light years away. And then let's see, like, okay, Rigel. Rigel is about, I think it's about 700 light years away. Now they're really close to each other in the sky. But you realize that Sirius is, is almost 100 times closer than Rigel. Now, you, can, you, can, um, you can see these stars if it's clear tonight, any night, in, like in the wintertime, you can go out and see it. So Sirius is about 100 times closer, and look how bright it is. And then imagine how immense and bright uh, Rigel is. Rigel's that star at the bottom of, of, the, uh, the, of Orion. And you realize how big and immense and powerful, and then you get the sense of that depth. Well, any time you get a sense of the depth of the sky, you are also connecting with that same dimension of depth in you. The sky that surrounds you and the sky that fills you is the same sky. And so this, again, points to uh, something that Terence McKenna was, was wonderful at articulating. And the Mayan people were wonderful at articulating this. The true nature of existence and the true nature of experience and the true nature of every manifest thing in the universe, and the crop circles tell us this, that everything is related and repeats it at uh, there are repeating patterns at scale. It's fractal. You are a fractal. The universe is a fractal. And you are directly related to, if you connect to any one piece of this, you connect to all of it. It's a phrase that came to me a couple of years ago, and it's very simple, and I think it's, it's worth repeating. Um, anything that is fractal is fractal with everything else that's fractal. Any, every fractal is related to every other. And so you, can, you can demonstrate this to yourself. These are things that you can have your own direct experience of. And so, I mean, I've already been kind of trying to share that, you know, like mostly through my website and the stuff I do on Twitter, and you know. I do a little bit on Facebook. So I, I try to just throw out tidbits like that. But I'm very interested in trying to facilitate that because I've had my own experience. Well, we're breaking up. Oh, sorry. The connection's breaking up? Yep. The telephone's breaking up. Oh. Okay. I I just I have a comment here that that I think I just heard it maybe about a month ago and I was kind of shocked and I I heard that the stars, each one of the stars has their own planet system. And Looks I thought like it. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it's marvelous. I mean, look how huge we are. It just kind of blew me out of the water when I heard that. Every star has a planetary system like us. Potentially. I mean, I mean some stars may not yeah. have much in the way of planets, but we used to think that maybe none of them had planets. Well, now it looks like many of them do. The, the further we looked, the more dense the planetary systems seem to be. And now we have, uh, I think it's Kepler. It's a... Um, I think it's an orbiting um, interferometer that lets us see that kind of depth. We can now we can see smaller objects that are orbiting, and we can see planets that are close to our size. You know, we're just the the volume of knowledge that we're gaining. Very recently, it was discovered that uh, we can we can kind of sense the whole structure of the universe. Now, that's something we could have never even imagined 
um, you know, we know about our galaxy. We've known about that for about 100 years. But now we're actually starting to sense the universe so that you can just see it. In these discoveries, this consciousness is revealing itself. So it's already in our face. We're out of time. I'm yeah. sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> we could go on forever. Uh, your website is ncrising.com. Right. Go have fun at it. Thank you. And, um, Oh, it's so blessed to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks we for letting me rattle on. Of, we covered a lot of territories, so that it was fun having <laughs> you on. <laughs> Thank you so much. So have a great day. And, all right, you uh, too. And all the people out there, you have a great day also and a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.